Hello, everybody. Joe Sib here with my co-host. Anaya Bogue. Rad Parenting. Hope you are all well. Thank you so much for all the emails. We got quite a few. Last week's episode was super, super fun. We talked about when your in-laws or your relatives come live with you after you have a kid. Well, that's the extreme version. Yeah. That's the Reader's Digest <laughs> version right there. Even if they're just right coming there. to visit. I'm saying they're coming to live with you. Wow, Joe. A lot of the shows, though, come out of the emails that we get, Anaya including this week's show. Uh, once again, that email is radparenting at gmail.com. Uh, I had a listener email us uh, from the show where we did Spoiled Today, Spoiled for Life. Mm-hmm. And he said he almost crashed his car when we said his name on the show. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, That's which not the plan. It stoked me, though, because that is what's so great about the community uh, that we are a part of with the people that listen to the show, that they can actually have a voice on the show. Mm-hmm. They can send an email and say, hey, this is happening at home. Hey, this is happening with my partner. Uh, any ideas, anything that we can do to help? Uh, today's show, what we're going to be tackling is uh, a topic that's been thrown around in a couple of different emails. It was never really brought to us the way that we're going to kind of frame it today. Mm-hmm. But it, basically, it's the whole concept of, as parents... How do we allow our kids to fail and to struggle mm-hmm. and to learn from those experiences? I am fully guilty of stepping in in areas that my parents wouldn't have stepped in or gotten involved in such when as, I was growing up. Such as, Joe? Uh, I would say such as... My my kids, uh, I would I would I would say this: the amount of work I ask for them to do around the mm-hmm. house is very limited to the amount of work I did compared to yeah as a kid. Mm-hmm. Now, see, I'm doing it already because my daughter goes to this college prep school, and my son's involved with all these activities after school. So, how can I ask and expect them to do A, B, and C? Where when I lay there at 4 in, in four a.m. in the middle of the night, I'm like, what kind of people am I raising? Is the work ethic going to be there? Mm-hmm. If my wife was on the show, she would say, yes, Joe, it's there. These are the, My daughter runs a summer camp for kids during the summer this for a couple of weeks. Um, my son's involved with a, a lot of outside activities. But see, even when I'm describing it right now, I'm like, I don't know. I still think there needs to be maybe more work being done. Right. So so the framework of today's show and, and what you wanted to talk about, because I know that you're, you're on the front lines with a lot of different parents. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to ask you, Anaya Bogue, who's out there dealing with parents, going into their homes, speaking at these events... Are other parents facing the same hurdle or the same, I'd say, question that I'm asking myself? How, what, the benefit, is there a benefit, and I know the answer, from letting our kids struggle and fail? Uh, Yes, absolutely, and it is extremely common. I would say that the most sort of overt examples that I have seen is really affluent families whose homes I've been in working with their children. And I know the history of the parents. I know that in many cases, they came from families who had very little. And out of that, they, through the struggle, whether it was watching their parents or, you know, everybody had to pull together because we didn't have a lot, they didn't have a lot. And their own struggle uh, awakened in them, a, a whatever you want to call it, a work ethic, a determination that their life was going to be better, um, you know, and 
and yet they have kids that they're doing everything for. And this is different than, you know, there's certainly the element that we've talked about in the past shows about like actually spoiling, like giving your kids everything. What we're talking about today is actually when you consistently see parents or when you as a parent are trying to figure out what is that line, because it's our natural inclination to want to keep our, our kids safe, to want to make sure that you know they're, they're not falling down in a way that it's really, really hard to get up, um, that we're there supporting them in the way that we think we would have liked to have been supported. So there's that, but then there's the what I have seen in families is you're doing so much, you're limiting your child's opportunity. And I am saying opportunity very deliberately to fail. And it is actually hindering their development because the fact is as human beings, struggle is a key ingredient to really important and profound growth into a whole successful, high-functioning human being. And I, I can get my head around that whole concept because the way I look at it is, is that when you, when you hear no, when you don't succeed, when you strike out, that feeling that you have that's in your heart, in your gut, and you're like, oh man, so-and-so got class president. I did it. So I went up, bases loaded, struck out. Mm -hmm. That, that uh, just over your whole body, that you go and you sit down and then you pull yourself back up and you go back out. Why do, right now with the parenting that we're a part of, why do you think as parents we're right there to, and, and I know I'm throwing out maybe the wrong word, but to coddle and to make an excuse and to maybe even say, Oh, I know this didn't go well, so I bought you this, or you didn't get you 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 didn't win this, so we'll give you this. Uh -huh. I just don't want you to be sad. I don't want you to yes. be sad. I don't want you to be down in the dumps. Why do we do that yeah. as parents? So I think there's a few answers to that question, and I'm just gonna you know throw out two or three. One, our children. We have to work very hard at not having our children feel like extensions of ourselves. So in other words, ugh, like watching my kid, you know, not take first place in that race or have his team lose for like the fifth straight time, like, oh, that's taking me back to when I was eight or 10 and I had that same sickening feeling. And our inclination is to, to, to keep that, keep them from having that feeling. Just like, you know, if our, we're, we're going to prevent our kid from like falling down the stairs. It's, it's sort of coming from the same place, but not quite. Um, the other thing is, is that especially for those of us living in this part of the world, I think that we have gotten into this mode where it's so much about creating comfort that we just sort of on autopilot are but, trying to make everything comfortable. But is that because, and I got to ask, is that when we say we want it to be comfortable, isn't it easier on the parent when it is comfortable? That's because, a really, really good question. Because think about it. When when things aren't going well, and I know I keep using the analogy of, of striking out or mm -hmm. the analogy, I'll use the analogy of baseball just because I've, I've been a part of my son's baseball team for yeah. his entire time. So when when he has struck out, and, he, and he's super, super bummed. I feel that. And he has to walk back to the dugout. Mm -hmm. But then when he gets a hit, it's just, you know, it's the best feeling. And, and, and the thing that I've, I, I've tried to let him understand the best I can with his brain as it's developing in, you know, the front part of the mm -hmm. brain where the, the, okay, I can understand what you're saying is I've tried to teach him, hey, man, when, when you strike out, that does suck. Sit in that feeling. Mm-hmm. 
let that feeling overcome you and, mm-hmm. and, and really see what it has to swim teach you. in it for a second, yep. see what it, it has. And, and then when you do get the hit, you're, it's going to feel so much better. But also, I've in a strange way thought when you're sitting next to the teammate that also struck out, you can learn and go, hey, man, I had, I had five, five times at bat I struck out. 100%. But, but the thing, going back to the question I just asked you, I feel that sometimes parents, and I want you guys to know, like this show isn't about you and you did this. It's like, I am guilty of this. When it's my son's comfortable or my daughter's comfortable, then it's comfortable for, for me, you. which makes it a little easier as a parent. Right. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? And, and what I'm going to say to that is I 100% understand, been there, done it. And what I know, at least intellectually, is... It is better in the short term. It might feel, when I say better, it might feel better in the short term, but we are literally denying our children an opportunity for growth that is going to be essential to them becoming whole human beings. So just like, I mean, let me just use this analogy to kind of drive this home. You know, your kids might ask for McDonald's every day. Why? Tastes yummy and we get to play on the structure and blah, blah, blah. But would you give your kid McDonald's every day? Well, no, because you'd literally compromise their nutrition and their physical well-being if you did that. And so we put our foot down and say, nope. And you know what? Maybe uh, broccoli's not your favorite, but guess what? That's going to give your your brain all kinds of nutrients that are going to help it function better, and you're going to develop a palate for for broccoli. That is part of our responsibility as parents. And when I talk about like the sort of the default, especially in this part of the world of like, we talked, you, you use everything has to be epic. Everything has to be great. Everything has to feel good. It has to always be better and happier and more fun. And, and we are quite literally moving into territory that is going to start creating half-baked human beings. I totally agree 100%. I've said it on the show a million times. Everything's got to be epic. Everything has to be front row. Everything's got to be full volume. You got to get the free shirt. Why didn't I get the hat? Why is the logo so small? Where's this? Where's that? Going back to when you go to a birthday party and then you're like, hey, here's your present. And I remember the first time when I left, the, the gift present for us. I was like, what, a, why, why, what? And then these gift bags just kept getting bigger and mm-hmm. bigger and bigger. And I felt like pretty soon you're like, is there really an iPhone in this thing as we're leaving? You know, it's right. like, yeah. you know, it was crazy. So that, that this mentality that we're living in, in society right now where everything has to be epic. Mm-hmm. I mean, how as a parent do you manage the the world that your kids are maneuvering through because let's face it it's hard you want to make the right decisions but we're also trying to pay the bills and we're also working all day and sometimes you know i get i get burned out mm-hmm. and, I'm just and like, it's just easier to just be like oh yeah okay yeah, whatever okay yeah. i want you to be stoked right okay so first of all that's the reality what the just the thing you just described we are not going to get it right 100% of the time and there are going to have to be those days those moments or whatever where we go okay i'm going to let this go this time because i haven't got it in me and i'm not going to do a good job or i'm going to lose it if i try right So I think a general rule of thumb, just like nutrition or exercise or whatever, is what we do 80% of the time 
is what is ultimately we're going to see reflected in our children. So we're not perfect as, as parents. We are going to make mistakes. There's sometimes we have to choose to drop the ball because we just haven't got the stamina to push through. But what we do eight times out of 10 is what's most important. So I think first and foremost, we need, and this is, you've heard me say this so many times, it starts with us. We have to look at our own programming and our own inclination to be like, I don't want this to be painful. I just want it to feel good, right? Like whether that's you're struggling in a relationship, you're struggling in a job, you're, you know, whatever. And I'm also going to say, as I always do, that doesn't mean that I'm an advocate for like, just, you know, push through, stick it out a hundred percent of the time. There are situations, jobs, relationships, et cetera, where, you know what, it's time to call it quits because now we're moving into really unhealthy territory, but somewhere in the middle is the sweet spot. And when you look at some of the most successful. And when I say successful, I want to make sure that everybody understands this because we tend to just be like, you know, high profile success, you know, but when you look at some people who have, are doing something in the world that they truly love, that they are coming, they're coming to, to their day to day, showing up as sort of the best version of themselves. Oprah Winfrey, uh, JK Rowling is a great example. These people faced profound and repeated failure that I believe was directly responsible for building within them internal muscles, if you will, that enabled them to achieve the extraordinary. And the more that we first as individuals who happen to be parents so that we pass that, you know, that the thing on to our children, the more that we deny discomfort, pain, um, the disappointment of failure, the shame, the embarrassment, the more that we are uncomfortable with that ourselves as individuals, the more inclined we're going to be to try to shelter our kids from it. And it's really kind of an odd, like, you know, I started with the example I did because it was such an obvious, like I kept thinking, how can these parents not see that there is a direct correlation between their struggle in the past and this extraordinary success that they've achieved today and the fact that they are, instead of mimicking that same thing for their children so that they set their children up for the same sort of extraordinary accomplishments in the world, they're actually debilitating them. And I use that word very deliberately because I have worked with families who have lots of money and lots of degrees and accomplishments by any standard who are raising kids who are addicted to drugs and alcohol, who are can't get through high school, who are struggling just in their day-to-day, -day, who are suffering with depression and anxiety and so on and so forth. And it, I, I would tie it directly to this kid does not know how to function if everything is not, you know, over the top, epic, happy, joyful, everything is awesome, blah, blah, blah. And how can we, how can doing that meet what I say is always the primary goal of parenting, which is helping to, to develop human beings who are whole and capable of functioning to their highest potential out in the world. Yeah, because what you're saying is that it's easy to sit in the sun all day, but how much fun can you have when it's raining? Exactly. That's always been my philosophy. Exactly. I mean, since I was a little kid, you know, even with the, the my whole work ethic was given to me, you know, I would say straight up from from my parents. And they're, they're like the people, they're the people, you know, that, that, really incentivized me to work hard for anything that I was ever going to achieve or get anything in my life. Um, I know that I see it firsthand, uh, and I want to go back 
it, and we will in a second, but I guess the, the first question I got for you, first question I have for you is this, and I'll just go right to it. So let's say there's a parent listening right now to the show that's like, yeah, that child that you just described, barely making it through high school, maybe some substance abuse, they can't, you know, they're... 14 years old, it seems like they can't do anything without someone, without my help, without, I've, you know, the ship has sailed and, and that's who they are. What do you tell those parents that they can do so that their, their, their kid, their teenager cannot have these problems when they're 21, 22 years old? Can you, can you teach a work ethic and, and, un, and have them understand that that late in the game? Uh, I, I, I believe so. I mean, okay. I just wouldn't do what, I do what I do if I believed that we are not static beings. We are um, in, a, in a perpetual state of, of growth, sometimes in spite of ourselves. Um, and so I think that there's, until their final breath or until our final breath as a parent, um, there's always possibility. There's um, much more possibility and potential when they're still under our roofs and they uh, we're still calling the shots. So dive in quickly if your kid's like 16 because you've only got a couple years. Um, that being said, I think that you first and foremost, always, as I've said again in this episode, you first look at yourself and your own programming and where is that, am I afraid of my kid failing? Why does that feel so uncomfortable to me? How can I, how can I reframe failure as a a, 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 um, a a teaching a teachable opportunity, a opportunity for growth, um, not something to be avoided at all costs. And I'm I, for, I will fully admit that I have this struggle daily with myself and and therefore by extension as a parent. Um, so we first need to look at ourselves. The next thing we need to do is get on the same page with our partner, right? Because there's no like, I'm going to take this on, but your partner's going to continue with the same mode that, that has been the case, right? So important right there. I'm glad you brought that up because if both people aren't on, I hate using the term, the same page, when, yep. you're, when you're dealing with a topic like this, it can cause a lot of friction. Oh, you're being too hard on them. Exactly. Come on, things have changed. You know, the parent, parenting isn't like that anymore. Oh, yeah. come on. We have the money. Let's exactly. make it epic. Mm-hmm. Let's go. Yep. And and so so that that's the second thing is getting on the same page. And that in itself could take, you know, weeks, months, maybe some therapy, whatever you need to do. But really it's so essential. And I think if you as an individual really understand the benefit of failure, when you get to that place and that reframe yourself, your commitment to going the extra mile to help get your your partner on board will be easier. So now you're both on the same page. So now page. you're both on the same page. So then you need to sit down and you need to, to figure out, okay, so now how are we going to put this into practice? And I am a big believer in you start small. You start with baby steps, just like when you're trying to get your kid to try something new, say a, a new food, you're not going to give them a whole big plate of it and start shoveling big spoonfuls into their mouth because they're going to spit it out. Um, it has to be, I would say, the, the, the greatest chance for success is, is to... Um, watch for opportunities, and probably if you've seen something repeatedly happen. So let's just say, um, you know, for for me, uh, my mother threatened to take me out of baseball al- at the end of almost every game because I hated losing. And what I really was would get frustrated with is I was, for whatever reason, I was always the one that was out there giving it 110. percent I'd be so furious with my teammates who were maybe just out there to have a good time and could care less if they won or, or not. And my mom would just threaten to. She'd be like, "I'm going to take you out like one more time." And and I'm going to take you out. Like, this is not fun. You're a nightmare, you know, whatever she was saying. <laughs> so I think we need to look for 
you know, the things that we've already seen repeatedly happen with our kids because it'll give us a little bit more time to prepare. Okay, chances are his his or her soccer team has lost the last three out of five games. They're going to lose another one in the next couple of weeks. I see a, a, a game coming up against a really tough team. Perfect opportunity because that way you can prep for it and be like, okay, so when my kid is crying in the car on the way home because they lost again in spite of the fact that he or she gave it their all, What's the conversation going to be? How am I going to frame this? And how can I really get it clear for myself so that my delivery is not going to be muddled and can really help them through understanding as a child who have, the good news is, brains that are much more malleable and are going to soak it up in a different way than we are as adults, how I'm going to help him or her to really see the benefits of failure. What are they going to gain from this that they wouldn't have otherwise gained? Because the fact is when we succeed, we pat ourselves on the back or we receive the pats of our teammates or our parents or whatever. And then we move on to the next thing. It's when we fail that we're stopped in our tracks and we're forced to contemplate. Like, first of all, as you said, wow, this does not feel good. Yeah. I don't like this feeling in my body. And all I want to do is go on to the next thing so I don't have to feel it. Well, you know what? The first thing is sit with it. Great, great um, advice that you know, you've given your, your child. Like, Just sit with it. And I think that there's something to be said for literally saying, ask that feeling what it has to teach you. What is it? What does it have to offer you? And it could be things like, you know, well, it's making me feel like I really hate soccer and I don't want to do this anymore. Mm, but you know what? I know you love soccer. So if you could instead reframe it and say, well, you know what, if I, when I win a game, I kind of go and celebrate and then I don't think about it very much. But when I miss that goal, I was moving that ball down the, you know, down the field and my team was cheering me on and then I blew it. What might you be able to learn to do better just with that thing? Let's go out in the backyard and practice just kicking on the net. And you know what? That will become the thing that makes you the best kicker on the team. Whereas if you just got the, the goal, no problem, you know, three out of five times, you just kind of be like, oh yeah, I'm good at that. I don't need to be any better. This might be the thing that propels you to greatness. The, the thing that I, I, I feel that we're avoiding too by making everything epic, by always not using these moments of failure as a teachable moment is that we're really setting up right now. It's the soccer game. What is it when uh, you get let go from your gig? What is it when you don't get the raise? Yep. How are you going to react when even someone that you're in love with isn't in love with you? That's right. Uh, how are you going to react when uh, the marriage that was working isn't working? Yep. How are you going to react when uh, the guy or person that you went to school with, you run into and everything's great in their life? Yep. They got the job. They got the marriage. They or the not that marriage is the, the, you know, the thing that everyone's striving for. I don't, right. I don't, I don't know if that's going to be something that's going to be important to, to, to a kid. But as, as you get older, just real life things that happen that aren't great. And the way that you the way you drive that home, Joe, I'm so happy you brought that up because if you were just to give hypotheticals, like, you know, one day when you blah, 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 please remember as parents that the part of our children's brain that actually allows them to be connected to like five steps ahead is not fully formed until they're about their mid-20s, maybe 23. Yeah, 23. So, so that, those sort of like hypotheticals, like, you know, one day when you like lose your job, you're going to, you're going to be, you're going to benefit from knowing what it feels like to fail. That's just going to go right over their head. However, telling them a story, for example, of how 
you know, um, let's just use a relationship thing because that's pretty easy. That the person that you were head over heels in love with when you were in high school, that you know, was interested in you for six months and then dumped you for somebody else. And you were so heartbroken because you thought that was the person you were going to be with forever. The reality is I wouldn't have met your mom or I wouldn't have met your dad. And then you wouldn't be here had I not failed, had I not faced that painful, you know, excruciating, disappointing situation. So there's something in real girl, we call it the gifts of no, the gifts of disappointment, the gifts, because often what happens is we are redirected. We are pushed in another direction. We would not otherwise be pushed in were it not for that failure. I've, I've always said sometimes no is the best answer. Yes. You want to hear yes, but when you hear no, you can cross it off your list. I've been in business for yes. 23 years with Side One Dummy. Very successfully. And the bands that we've had, we've had failures, huge failures. Mm-hmm. But the reason that we ended up having success with the bigger acts, Gaslight Anthem, Flogging Molly, Gogo Bordello, those success came from the failures. I'm not going to list the failures right now because those <laughs> bands worked as hard as all of the rest. It just didn't connect. And, and we had to sit in that feeling of, wow, yeah. this really blows right now. Well, and, 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 also, and also, I would guess, like, refining your, you know, so what, what, could, what could we have done differently, say, in terms of promoting this band? Or where did we get the marketing wrong? Or where did we not, like, all of those things help us, even in history, the mistakes that we've made. You know, whether it's, you know, military technology or, you know, other kinds of tech that have have evolved because something didn't work the first or the fifth or the tenth time. But what I feel the bigger picture is in the teachable moment to our children is not giving up just because something didn't work out, just because the in my case a band that we spent money at and we worked and the band worked and they toured Mm -hmm. and on paper it was all supposed to happen. It was all there and it didn't and it failed. Mm -hmm. It's a failure. Money Mm -hmm. was lost. Mm -hmm. Band fell apart. Everyone went their separate ways. Now on paper, now in reality, it's a failure. But what happened with your attitude? Well, got to pull up my sleeves and go right back in and do it all over again. And I feel that you only learn that feeling from when you're a little child hearing no being having having opportunities like I, I like I were you know I remember even as a kid there's 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 different times in my life that that things went well and things that didn't go well but the times that things went the worst for me even when I was later on in my early 20s I remember um I remember my the band I was in. I was I was in this band forever and I had just graduated from college and the band kicked me out. They're like, we don't want you in the band anymore. And I get why they didn't want me in the band because I was a nightmare. <laughs> you think you were bad on softball? I was terrible. I made everyone practice on Thanksgiving. I wouldn't let people go on ski trips. I was I, I read Henry Rollins' Get in the Van, and I took it way too serious. And I was the worst to play music with. And at a certain point, my friends, who were all friends now, they said, no, we don't want to play music with you anymore. And I was devastated. I got kicked out of my band. At the same time, my girlfriend broke up with me. And everything that went wrong went wrong at that moment. And if, if it hadn't, I wouldn't have left Northern California and moved to Southern California. Yep. Hence, going back to your story of... Yeah, it was the worst feeling in the world having all of that happen to me. But 
as a kid growing up, I had had enough times that things didn't go well that it taught me, you know what, this is, this is momentary. It's all, this, whatever's happening right now, this is a moment in time and it'll pass. And I, and I feel that that's the teachable moment that we have to have with our kids. I go, I go through it with my son. Uh, I go through it with my daughter. Mm-hmm. And I'll say that, I don't, and I, I use this term loosely because I don't want to throw it out there and, and have anyone's feelings get hurt. But the times that I don't do it and the times that I go, I want it to be comfortable Yep. I want everyone. To, I want everything to be happy. I, if I'm totally honest with myself, it's just me being a lazy parent um, instead of taking it and making a teachable moment. Okay, so you mean like your, the laziness comes in? Like I'm just going to make this comfortable for hey, them and not engage in the process of I, helping them see the gift of the failure. And- I am describing my act that I am. I'm. You know. You know me. We. We. We started this podcast on an idea, and here we are, seventy episodes later. Mm-hmm. Uh, we work hard at it, you know. We we make it happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a work ethic that I'm super proud of, and anyone that knows me knows my work ethic is insane. So mm-hmm. you would assume right now, oh man, Joe Sib, his son uh, has something bad happen at school, and uh, you know he's going to let his son sit in that moment and you know, really learn from it and sit down and they're going to have a conversation when needed. And, and I'll say right now, sometimes I... Not so much. Not so much. <laughs> and I, I do something comforting. Mm-hmm. And, I, and the only way I describe it when I look back on it is I feel that that is just being a lazy parent where you would say, what are you talking about? You're not being lazy. You're being, you're being proactive. You went in and talked to the teacher and said, why isn't he doing this? And mm-hmm. why did you do that? Mm-hmm. Or, no, you're not. Let him sit in the moment that, yeah, what you wanted to do, you're not going to do because you acted like a jerk yep. and they punished you. Right. So, and that's- Deal a, with it. So, so a couple things. <laughs> um, one, let so me that's speak the to- the term I have coined- for my actions, being sometimes. a lazy parent to like just swoop in and try to fix yeah, it instead I'm, of allowing them to go. learn. Or and to I, get and the I know gifts. you're saying, well, you're describing an action. So how could you be lazy? I just feel that you're not seeing the opportunity because you know why? The opportunity of the sadness and the frown, and you know what? Maybe uh, this this next 24 hours is gonna suck. I'm trying to avoid it. And right. So you're doing the same thing you, you, as a parent. When yeah. we do that, we're doing the exact same thing. We are avoiding our own discomfort of seeing our kid in discomfort. Why do we do that? Well, I think, I think because... Is it because it's our kid? Well, that's part of it. I, and, and part of it is just we have become... We don't have anything... There's very little in our, in our society currently that teaches and celebrates the benefits of pain, the benefits of discomfort, the benefits of failure. And we've just become such a society of like comfort and superficiality. And, you know, it's, it's, let's just put all our focus on the winner and, and like not do anything with the loser, like not necessarily talk about, you know, what to me it's like, and and my husband has this saying always, he's like, to play is to win, like showing up and doing your best as much as we kind of like poo poo that is like, oh yeah, that's just, you just say that to make your kid feel better. No, it's actually a thing is what I'm here to say is that teaching our kids that showing up and doing your personal best, and we always know when we've given it our best and the people that are closest to us can see when we've given it our best, that is winning. Not 
focusing on just the team that got, you know, five points instead of four. Well, then that might be the whole reason because while you're saying that to me, I just keep thinking of Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, everything. Which has heightened it. Everything's awesome. Yes. There should be a site where it should just be called it's okay.com. It's okay. How was your day today? I came in third. You can only post things. You can only post things that you how did how'd your marriage go? Not so well. Well, how's everything? In but you, that how's is everything so at work? You know, there was this, there was this, um, this, uh, you know, article floating around in the last year or so, and and I, it was this, I believe it was a father, and he talked about the fact that every day, and for those of you out here who know this, and I'm getting it slightly wrong, my apologies, but the gist of it was that every night at dinner. The question was, what's one mistake that you made today? You've mentioned this on the show before. Right? What's one mistake that you made? And what a potent, teachable moment. Because that, just that, that action is so loaded with information because it's not only encouraging your kids to take risks and make mistakes, it's also giving them, not just giving, giving them permission, it's encouraging them. It is making the act of trying and failing something that is not only really good, but something that we're saying as parents, we want you to do that. Because in fact, if you're not making mistakes, you're not putting your best self forward. You're not stretching yourself. You're not really being showing up as your best self, even if that means sometimes you're going to fall on your face. Throwing that out there right there, I think, really ties up everything that we're talking about is allowing our kids to know that making a mistake is actually help for the future. Yeah. And let me just- It allows you to grow. And the best way, as always, to teach our children is through modeling. So to your point, Joe, you know, and I, and I can, I, what I can tell you as the parent of a almost 21 year old and an eight year old, right. Which gives me this perspective of, I can see, you know, a little further ahead at how my, my parenting is, is manifesting my oldest daughter, although sometimes it drives me out of my mind, how self-focused she can be, particularly in our home. She is extraordinary when she's out interacting with every other human being on the planet, but is she has seen in me and in my husband a like ridiculous work ethic and i see it in her like her work ethic is puts most i mean many adults that i know to shame and what that tells me is that more than anything i've ever said she is has watched and she has seen and i think that we have to remember which again takes me back to my first point if we get it right ourselves to the point that we can actually embody or model those behaviors that we want our kids to pick up on, then even on those days we're like, oh my God, I'm totally screwing this up. And you know, he or she is just gonna be some loser like <laughs> on the corner collecting, you know, coins from passersby. Chances are if they what they have seen you do most of the time in your own life as you walk your own path, that is what is going to influence them more than anything that you say or do. What you say or do and and capturing those teachable moments and having dialogue around it is going to be the icing on the cake to really drive it home, but let's get it right ourselves first and that's going to do more more than anything. The biggest take I got from this episode Anea was what you said a little while back that anytime this 
is possible to start. For the people listening to the show right now, you've got the you know little ones, the five to six-year-olds. You're like, all right, cool, game on. For the people that got the teenagers like me, you know, that 12 to 13 range, you're like, all right, I'm still in the game. And even for the ones that have those 16-year-olds that are at home and you're like, wow, they're going to be splitting in about two years. We uh, hope. We hope. We hope. <laughs> but Or we don't, you know. What we do hope, though, is that we can start today with letting them do things for themselves. Let them earn it. Let them have the struggle. Let them feel the struggle. Let them fail. And I love what you're talking about. Sit around the table every night and ask, hey, what mistake did you make today? What did you try and it didn't go so well? What did you throw out there and it didn't stick? And what did you learn from it? And what did you learn from it? What do you know now that you wouldn't have had you not done that? So important. So important. Great episode. I want to thank everyone uh, once again for taking the time to listen to Rad Parenting. You can always email us all of your comments, any ideas for future shows, radparenting at gmail.com. Please don't hesitate. Also, to send us a text, the word parenting to 313131. We're building quite a huge um, group of people there. And you get access to all the episodes right away. I just basically text it to your phone. So while you're going to work or you're coming home, you're in the car, you're on the workout, you just plug in, boom, you listen to our tar- talking to um, right there. And, and, it, and there's, no, there's no hassle. Uh, also, I want to ask you guys, if you can, it would mean a lot uh, write a review uh, of this podcast uh, on iTunes. And, and if you do that and you take a little photo of it and you send it to me, uh, I will send you a copy of Anaya's book, Nine Ways That We're Screwing Up Our Girls and How We Can Stop. So just do that. Send me the photo of the review and then we will send you the book and everyone's happy and we keep doing the show and it's awesome. Anaya, thank you so much for today. My pleasure. My name is Joe Sib and Anaya Bogue and we are out of here. Late. Late.